You're listening to Racing World, brought to you by Perspective Group. It's your motorsport podcast show in conjunction with Race Control Magazine. Well, welcome to another edition of Racing World. Not going to really muck around here, going to get straight into it. I've got Bob on the line and we're going to talk Dutch F1 Grand Prix amongst other things. So let's really kick the show off right now. And here we go. Well, here we go. I've got my mate Bob back again. Another week, another Grand Prix. I tell you what, there's another one next week as well, but uh, and IndyCar. But here we go, Bob. Um, Dutch Grand Prix first, I guess. So much news out of that. Boy, I love that place. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you. It's um, when we come from Spa to there to Monza. <laughs> it's three. It's three old school circuits without the name of Herman Tilke being, men- being mentioned, but the one in the middle. Zandvoort that we've just seen is an old school new circuit effectively yeah. because it's not the old school the old old circuit but um yeah what a uh, what a, a really good um a really good occasion I, I, I because of lockdown you know i stayed up to watch um a grand prix spa grand prix truly live we stayed up we, it's in the last couple of years i've got in the habit of watching it very early in the morning or something like that um, I stayed up to see it and I thought oh, that was really great because I stayed up and stayed up and stayed up and nothing happened. I did it again this time and luckily <laughs> this time um, there it was a fantastic Grand Prix to stay up to really but I'm not sure I was thinking about this afterwards I'm not sure if I enjoyed it or not I'm not sure if it was exciting or not I think it was yeah, I think, sure. I think, I I think it was, uh, I, you know, I watched lots lots of parts of it and, and different things from, you know, free practice via Formula One's website and um, qualifying and everything. I think those corners made it because they were visually quite spectacular. So that caught your attention and, and phenomenal corners as well. And then to see, because I also watched the F3 race, to see cars go two, three wide round there, that was pretty impressive. Very narrow track, unlike you know tracks that you've just mentioned. But I, I think that gave it dynamic. And then the other part of it, I guess, that played into into the hand of it was the fact that you had seventy thousand screaming Dutch people there. Yeah, and it was a nice day, and there was no rain, and all that sort of thing came into it. But, but you say a narrow track; it it was always a narrow track. Yep. I mean, regardless, always in those days. And I always felt that they were going to, they're emasculating the track and doing all sorts of things and they're going to make it shorter. It looked a lot shorter than the old tracks, but it was almost 4.2 kilometers. It was around 4.2 kilometers. The old tracks were 4.2 kilometers. So that great big track that went all the way back in the dunes was still 4.2 kilometers back in the day. Uh, the, the lap times then were 1 minute 17, 18, 19. But that's a reflection on the cars, not the length of the track. So it wasn't so different from the old time days. But nonetheless, it was um, the corners, I agree, those bank corners, they, they really made it. I mean, they were fantastic. I don't know if it did much for the racing. I think it probably <laughs> did. Um, but visually, it was wonderful. Turn three, after Tarzan and then turn two, um, just amazing. I mean, I, I remember Tarzan from years ago, and that was a fantastic track. And they were talking about it, I think, about 40 years ago when we were there, that they were thinking about banking that because too many people were going straight on. So somebody came up with the idea of bank Tarzan. Now, that would have been wonderful. Slingshot bank Tarzan in through <laughs> two and then slingshot bank uh, the, the next turn. But anyway, it didn't happen. I think it was a fascinating Grand Prix. It was a fascinating race. 
they said there wasn't going to be a lot of overtaking. We'll tell um, um, Sergio Perez that because he managed to do yes. quite a lot of it. There was a fair amount of overtaking generally. There were way, there were um, um, it was seventy two laps of of intrigue as much as anything else because obviously the intrigue was on whether Max Verstappen was going to or how fast. Max Verstappen was going to be and how far he was going to win it by because that was, it was really not a question leading up to the race that he was going to win it. And, um, and he did win it. Lewis Hamilton put up a great fight, but clearly uh, Verstappen had the whole thing in hand all the way through. So, yep, it was good. There were, you know, a few incidents, a few occasions in there when I had a chance to cheer. One of the things I would have cheered but did not see it because they did not show it was um, Fernando Alonso overtaking Carlos Sainz in the very last couple of hundred metres or something like that after almost crashing in the last turn. Um, so unfortunately, we didn't see it. You've got to go on YouTube or something like that to see that. But it's good to see that. I was going to say life in the old dog. That's not what I mean at all. <laughs> it's just good to see that Fernando Alonso was twice in that race. He used his smarts. Um, yeah. His teammate, Ocon, was behind him saying basically... Um, can you tell Fernando to move along a little bit because I'm faster than him. Now, you might remember Fernando Alonso saying that in, in Hockenheim some years ago when Massa was in front of him. Um, and they got the message to Massa. Um, Felipe, um, Fernando is behind you and he is faster than you. Okay. But then I think Fernando got the idea that, okay, I'm not having some whippersnapper tell me what to do. I'm saving my tyres. I know how to race. It's <laughs> stunning coming in here. And he immediately got six seconds away. That gave me a lot of pleasure in the whole race, just to see uh, Alonso's performance. But yeah, nonetheless, I thought it was um, a spectacle. Yeah. It was a technical battle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a great track. It's going to be a great track. I don't know how many Dutch they're going to get there if uh, Verstappen ever re retires, but still. Um, but it, was it exciting over 72 laps? I think so. I think so. Yeah. That's all. I think if we take the takeaway things out of the weekend, you know, first of all, uh, Alpine, another strong performance by both cars, which yep. you know, clearly we're starting to see them in the top 10 on a regular basis. Um, a little bit of confusion at McLaren again. Um, yeah. An interesting thing, and I'm not pointing finger necessarily, but um, Alonso's influence must be coming into play at Alpine because you've seen quite a resurgence in them, as opposed to when Danny Ricciardo was there. Uh, so yeah. I, I think there's progress there, uh, and good on them. That's that's reward for effort, isn't it? So um, yeah. they they were my kind of big things, and then probably disappointment would go to the Williams side after what we'd seen at Spa didn't transfer into what we saw. At, the Dutch Grand Prix, but that's that's cyclic, and we'll see a different scenario probably at Monza as well. So, um, yeah. for good performances, I mean, Gasly was fantastic. Yes, cool. yeah. Um, the other end of his scale, Sunoda. Yeah, and, uh, he didn't do anything again, did he? Um, the Ferraris uh, ran well unexpectedly. I think McLaren were on the back foot a little bit simply because of the the disjointed qualifying and, and Lando Norris was not able to get a time to put him in Q1 effectively. So that put him back in the in the field. And once you're back there on a track like that, it's not much you're going to do. Tactics brought him up into a point and Ricardo did not get a point because Lando did. Yeah. So well, that's a, a bit of a shame. So anyway, it tightens the whole thing up now. I mean, the, the championship with Max Verstappen ahead, 224, 
and a half points. We'll never forget the half point yeah. uh, to Lewis Hamilton, 2 2 1 and a half. Uh, and then Bottas, 1 2 3. And of course, going on to Bottas today, I read when it was announced, I guess, last night overnight in Europe, Bottas has now been, gosh, shock horror, he is going <laughs> to to um, to uh, Alfa Romeo. And um, and the Williams driver, George Russell. I wonder if he's going to Mercedes. because well, they haven't, haven't announced that yet. It went no. through my mind before, and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if they came out with another name and threw the whole media everywhere, <laughs> and we, you know, so-and-so's <laughs> going to drive for Mercedes next yeah. year. Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? But anyway, it looks like it looks like he's um, and I've George Russell is going to be at Mercedes and then announced uh, very soon. But that throws up then Williams. who's going to replace him at Williams because Alexander Albon wants to be in there. Red Bull want him to be in there. Of course they do because it's a Mercedes team and Mercedes are saying, ah, you can be in that too. We don't mind you being there, but not as a Red Bull driver. You've got to give that away first. So there's politics there. Mick Schumacher is also in the in the conversation to be either at Williams, which I very, very much doubt, or yeah. at, um, um, but, but the same problem will happen, of course, because he's Ferrari associated, or at Alfa Romeo, and that puts Giovinazzi on the back foot as well. Um, so yeah, there's going to be, there's a lot of shenanigans to go on yet, I think, generally. Talking to Bottas, uh, the fastest lap thing near the end of the race, you know, um, and I like, I like some of the radio traffic where, uh, he, you know, Valtteri came out and said, yes, I know, I'm just playing with it. You can't deny the guy, you know, what do you, what do you do? You know that you, by that stage, he obviously knew he was getting oh, yeah. the flick, you know, but yeah. in the statement, of course, which is always political, um, you know, he's doing his best to help Mercedes out to the end of the season because we know the value of the Constructors' Championship. I'm sure Mercedes will uh, reward him sufficiently should they win the Constructors' Championship. Oh, I think so. I think so. But I think it probably also forced Hamilton to come in and put new tyres on to make sure he got the fastest lap because Valtteri, although Valtteri, they said, he said that it backed off at the end of that lap. Um, I think perhaps he might not have backed off quite enough to do that. So it kind of kind of forced their hand for Hamilton to get the, uh, get the fastest lap. But that's the way the game is played. That's yep. the politics that are on there. That's the way that, you know, everybody does things. So... Um, I mean, you know, bringing into politics as well, Nick De Vries, who's a Mercedes driver, they want him to try and get in Formula, in Formula One somehow. That's the Williams seat as well. So um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to He was visibly, uh, visibly seen on a lot of the F1 broadcasts over the weekend as yeah. well. Uh, obviously, you know, the Dutch thing as, as well. But, you know, there's, there's another layer that's just starting to emerge as well. But, you know, with Valkyrie in, in an alpha and all new cars for 2022, maybe it's not too bad. He'll bring a lot to the team, that's for sure, you know. And yeah. as people like Nico Rosberg would say, it's life without Lewis, isn't it? So, you know. I hope um, I hope he does do well. I really yes, do. I Lewis is shadow for an awful long time. Um, but conversely, when somebody comes in, somebody has to go out. It's a shame to see Kimi Raikkonen um, depart, not only because he's a very good driver anyway, and okay, he's getting on a little bit, but they need somebody like Kimi Raikkonen in Formula One just yeah. to, to, just the, for his character, just for the odd things he does, just for the the absolute, um, um, well, the character that he brings and is and that he says and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it is a shame to see him go. It really is. And sad news that he was, you know, tested positive for COVID and kibbutz yeah. you know, drive over the weekend. 
I yeah. assume then that that means he probably doesn't drive at Monza as well. Um, so you know, they're, they're saying he's got another t test or whatever, and um, it is only a week away. But yeah, I, I would imagine the the protocols would be difficult. I mean, it's it's amazing seeing the entire paddock masked up. I've noticed some of the masks are slipping below the nose now and over the mouth. And then you just go, I don't know, 20 yards away or 20 metres away to the other side of the track, and there's the entire Dutch population with never a mask to be seen. Yeah, it's, so much know, social distancing. So. Imagine them all blowing COVID um, <laughs> all at once, the Delta variants at once. It would cover the paddock in, in a mist of Delta. You just imagine it, can't you? But overall, I think I think we give the Dutch Grand Prix um, a tick and, yeah. and on yeah. to Monza. So fastest race of the season coming up next. Um, always remember our days at TVNZ when we used to do that show together with Monza. You were kind of on air and then you were off air. But, you know, it, it's gone in the yeah. night. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of pressure on Ferrari to always perform at home. But, I, you know, the championship's well and truly alive and may not go its complete distance. So right now it's about making sure you stay in front really as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, there are battles going to be going on. Obviously, there's the battle, the big battle between the top two teams. And then there's the battle between um, third, fourth and fifth, effectively, which is, you know, now Ferrari, McLaren. And, well, you've got to say that it's quite possible that others will come in there um, yeah. and, and jump in that. I mean, there's, there's who else would you say? Alpine. Um, Alpine, right. Yeah. Alpine could come in there as well. But obviously, the battle is... It, it, you know, there's two separate battles. Yeah. First and second, and third, fourth, yeah, fifth. The, others. the one that we is the tightest one because McLaren and Ferrari are jumping over each other all the time. And then there's the drivers' battle as well, um, because Perez is gradually creeping closer to the to the top of um, of of that little pile. Bottas now has gone ahead of Norris, um, so there's still battles to be fought. And there's still quite a lot of the season to go. I mean, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. we're not we're done and dusted yet at all and and incidentally the um the um alonso car um the alpines are really quite quick in a straight line these days and it's a lot of straight line at monza as we know yeah so that's good um moving on now we've got this massive list in front of us for the show today so moving yeah, on kiwis we might as well start with liam lawson another fine performance in dtm yeah indeed there were 56 points available to win at the weekend at the Red Bull ring, uh, the Österreich ring in Austria. Um, and Liam, Liam Lawson won 55 of them. He got 55 out of 56. The only one he didn't get was for getting pole position for one of the races. But he got pole position and two wins and qualified second. So, I mean, what more could you ask a drive, of a driver at the Red Bull ring with, with the boss of Red Bull? <laughs> he lives just, um, let's see, how far away is it? He lives... Uh, I don't know, about maybe 120 k's away, and I'm sure he was there at the weekend. Um, good on Liam for doing that. He drove superbly well. I saw some of it on, on uh, YouTube and some of the online stuff. So, yeah, Liam's superb. He's leapt up now to, um, what I say, second in the championship. I think he's 10 or 12 points behind. That's all in the championship, which is actually might be less than that. I'm not, I'm not sure now. So, so I'll yeah, pose, good on I'll pose a question here with Liam because... He's a single-seater driver, as we well know. Yeah. Uh, does DTM do him any harm, or does it do him good in the long run? It's certainly put him on the radar well and truly, hasn't it? Yeah, it doesn't do him any harm at all, because he's driving, because the Formula 2 season is so, so disjointed. I mean, what would he be doing in between? Yeah, um, oh, no, I agree. 
you can't know. just sit in a simulator all the time. It doesn't do you good, any good. And Liam has only driven, I mean, GT cars has only driven it from the beginning of this year when he was driving yeah. at Hampton Downs. So, yeah, I think it keeps him front and centre in the, in the conversation with Red Bull. And while there's another Red Bull driver there that's favoured, obviously Albon, because they're trying to get him into Formula One, and he's beating Albon, can't be good, uh, can't be bad, can it? No, can't be anything but, uh, no. but good for him. And that, that also applies a bit of pressure to people like Sonoda then uh, at AlphaTauri, because obviously that's that's an entryway into the big team as well. So, you know, yeah, it is. Liam it on is. the radar. Yeah, it is. But Sonoda's got a fairly hefty chunk behind him in Honda. Um, you know, they, they're quite keen to get a Japanese driver in there. And Pierre Gasly, you're not going to get him, him out of there unless they want to move him because there's nowhere else for him to go. And Red Bull Avenue is closed, so he's got to try and find somewhere else. It's yeah. not going to happen this year anyway. So, um, yeah, that, that's all good. Another guy we've, we've, we've got to look at, a uh, bit of news for Brendan Leach as well, yes. who's now driving the GT3 Hurricane Evo Lamborghini something or other, in yeah. the championship in Europe. He was the championship called a rugby down I, I was just going to say he's driving a Lamborghini. It was a lot easier, but there you yeah. go. <laughs> but I, I've read it three times. Um, I've got it written down here. He's uh, in the 2022 GT World Champion uh, Challenge Europe Endurance Series. There, I couldn't remember all that all at once. Anyway, good on Brendan. He's got a full-time gig over there. I'm not sure how many events it is, probably six or seven events, that's all. But um, good on Brendan. He's, uh, yes. you know, he's the career out of it as well. Yeah. So. Um, we'll keep on going. So other Kiwis, um, a, a bit of news around Billy Fraser, the fact that he may drive in Pro Indy next year and step up from USF 2000. Um, that's a big move. And, and, you know, Hunter McElroy, who was on the show just recently, you know, would testify to the fact that it is a big step. Sure, it's part of the ladder system. Fantastic. Yeah. If, if that's the direction that Billy's going and then we wish him all the best. Um, not so many cars in Pro Indy as there is in USF, but the competition's a lot tougher. So, you know, the advantage I guess you'll have going into season 2022 will be the fact that he's at least seen these circuits once. So, but he's still got yeah. a round to go at Mid-Ohio in about a month, uh, along with um, with Hunter McElroy, you know, and, and McElroy third in the championship at the moment, and can win the championship at Mid-Ohio. So well, you know, we're wishing yeah. those guys all the best. Uh, they're all grasping over there. I mean, we were talking about Jacob Douglas last week. He's in the team with Ryan Yardley, and that, that team is um, Kiwi Racing. Yeah, Kiwi Motorsport. Kiwi Motorsport. Um, they're very supportive of Kiwis over there, and both those drivers, Ryan Yardley, an ex-TR86 um, uh, champion here in New Zealand, and Jacob Douglas, who's just starting his career, they were both on the podium at that weekend. So there's a lot of Kiwis, um, you know, scratching their way up the various ladders in in the USA, and um, and good on them. Oh, good, it's, it's great racing. At least you might be able to make a profit over there, or at least get paid for your driving more so than you would be in Europe at the moment, anyway. Yeah, and then uh, speaking of. Uh moving your way up the ladder, then there's this guy called Dixon who starts the run of three weekends this weekend. So we go yeah. Portland, Laguna, and then Long Beach. Um, th they have said about Long Beach, it will go ahead. There'll be vaccine restrictions and all sorts of other bits and pieces, but it's three in a row, three weekends in a row on the West Coast, so a true West Coast swing for most teams. Um, it is. The big thing, Pato Award and New Garden have come out saying they want every point that's available on the table. So they're looking for, you know, the pole position point. They're looking for laps lead point. They believe that that's where the championship will be decided. So those two have kind of declared that now. 
Yeah, but but every driver would be saying that as well, wouldn't they? But there are uh, over the three races. If you add them all up, there's 162 points to be won. If you win every single thing, like laps led, all that sort of stuff, 100, 162 points maximum. And when you think there's only uh, what is it? I wrote that down here somewhere. There's only like uh, 40 points, more or less. I mean, it's not quite that between the top four. Yeah, and Ericsson's the dark horse in there as well because, you know, depending on what happens, he, as we said in a show a few weeks back, you know, he's been one of the most consistent performers since Indianapolis. So, you know, there's yeah. the five of them that really, they're, they're the five to, to look at, which becomes four. Um, and, you know, we hope after the weekend it still becomes three, but yeah. it includes Dixon. Yeah, well, leading into Portland, there's, you can only go back two races effectively because there were no races in 17 or whatever. Um, over the last two races, Takuma Sato, Sato won one, Will Power won the other. Um, and they're the only ones basically that, are, that won those races, neither yeah. of which are in the championship effectively. Um, but Scott Dixon was, what was he, third and 16th or something? No, yes. no. Lower, but lower than that, he was... Um, uh, a fifth and 16th in those two races. So he hasn't got a particularly good record there. No. Um, nor of the guys around him either. So, you know. If you look at Dixon, if you look at Dixon on these these last three circuits, actually his track record on all three of them are probably his worst three tracks yeah. across the yeah. calendar. But, you know, it's the same for everyone. You know, Pato Award in the mix. The, the difference for Pato and Alex Palau, as we've said uh, previously, They've never been in this championship position before and the pressure that comes with it, whereas Newgarden and Dixon have and uh, a little bit more experience when it comes to those type of scenarios. I don't believe that that will phase either of those two either because they're bold enough drivers in their own right now that they can cope with that. So, you know, it'd be interesting. Um, seeing as we were talking about New Zealand things, uh, Callum Eilat that was seen here in TRS in the New Zealand Grand Prix a few years ago, will drive for Junkos Hullinger Racing this weekend, not for the other two necessarily, uh, because Junkos have said that they want to try drivers out across the three events. They haven't confirmed whether there's other drivers yet, but we know that he'll line up this weekend. So that's quite a move for him coming from Europe. You know, he was yeah. he was there as a reserve driver as well, but, um, you know, indications are is that he wants in on IndyCar, so he's the first one to give it a go. But that's probably a good, going back to what we were talking about, Liam Lawson, that, that's that's another good indication, but there's no, because there's no Formula 2 racing happening for a while. Yes. Um, so, you know, he's, they're being forced to do other things, which is in Callum's case, he's going to um, he's going to the USA, incidentally, talking about Callum Eilat, an ex-Toyota uh, Racing Series driver down here with, actually, when you go through Formula 3, Formula 2, and, and Formula 1, quite a few now, right, and, in, and in the USA. It was announced this week from uh, from Toyota that um, uh, there's only going to be the Grand Prix this year because the uh, MBIE here in New Zealand, in, um, who are in charge of quarantine and allowing people into the country, have decided that um, they will not give any sanction to any foreign drivers coming in into New Zealand. Like, um, you know, apparently you've got to be a sportsman like a rugby player or, or something <laughs> like that, or a basketball, or indeed you can go um, cycling at Rotorua um, and you can come into the country for a sporting event and you can have all these MBIE rooms uh, for quarantine. I don't know how they make the decision, but the effective decision means that 
there will be no Toyota Racing Series around the country this, this year, this coming season again, but there will be a Grand Prix again, but only a Grand Prix. Last year we ran a Grand Prix and a, and, uh, a small series. You know? yeah. um, but this time is only going to be a Grand Prix, but it's, it, as long as everything is open, it's going to be a hell of a Grand Prix because I think Toyota are putting an awful lot of effort into it. There will, of course, be a, um, a TR Toyota Racing 86 series, which is... I read the moment is almost oversubscribed, 22 cars yeah. in there at the moment, uh, which is going to be a fantastic series, South Island, North Island as well. That'll be good. Well, the interesting thing with that is that in, in many ways, even though we're still where we both live in level four lockdown in New Zealand. So for people who don't know that, that is called lockdown, the big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the well, rest of starting to um, starting to ease its way out of that. But it, the the domestic motorsport scene in many ways looks quite healthy. You've got 86 that is in a very strong position with a good car count. And then Jeff Short from Speedworks Promotions announced last week the arrival of the Super GT class. And within the space of 24 hours, all 30 franchises for licenses for that for this season were fully sold. So there's 30 cars lined up for that. And that's a mixture of GT4 spec cars, Porsche and Ferrari. So um, you know, that, that's a decent sized field to sort of sell out in the space of 24 odd hours. Indeed, indeed. I mean, just having those two classes racing at the same place is going to make a hell of a race. You know, it's unfortunate that our future in New Zealand seems to be in many ways tin top uh, as opposed to open, open wheeler, but we've still got various open wheeler series, obviously, like Ford and. Uh, and um, uh, first and all that sort of thing. So there's still a lot of motor racing to be seen around the country um, this coming season, um, as long as we're able to do it. Simple yeah. as that, really. Formula Ford, I think, is looking quite strong at the moment. There's been a, a bit of a mending of the ways between the North Island, South Island scenarios that were taking place. So, and it's still a very good development class. And that's what leads people to the Toyota Racing Series long-term as well. Yeah. So we need it those is. things. So, I th yeah, I think that... For, for a summer, should we um, be out of the current COVID conditions we're in, in New Zealand right now, then uh, that'll be good. Um, for viewers who are watching this on YouTube that live in the States, because I know there's quite a lot of you that tune into this, we uh, certainly thrive on a probably six-month season down here, which is our summer months rather than a calendar year. So it's very important that you know we uh, are able to continue the sport over those summer months. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be great. Oh, yeah, I am, as long as I can go to them, as long as I'm allowed out, you know, I can find the key to the bars on the windows, um, as long as I'm allowed to go by um, our government, I'll just leave it at that, um, then, yeah, I'll, I'll be there, obviously, at all of them, and it's going to be, I, I'm looking forward to it, certainly, but I'm, I get quite inwardly angry at um, the, the um, arbitrary choice of sports and sportsmen and women that are allowed back in here and, and all that sort of thing, which is, a, but it's a bigger issue as well because families are disrupted. I can't go to my mother's funeral, for instance, because she died recently. And I can't go simply because of the restrictions around travel and all sorts of things. Yeah. I can understand it and I'm, I'll live with it, but it, you know, this, this has got to end sometime. It's got to end sometime. We can't be talking about this in two years' time, five years' time, whatever. Oh, no, I've got to get back down to doing these shows in the garage with you because I miss out on the coffee when I'm not down there. It's one thing doing it electronically, but it's not quite the same. 
No, we have got delicious coffee here, I've got to say. Yes, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Um, just before we go, just one thing, because we've been sort of harping on about COVID things. Um, Australia, obviously, in a bad way, which impacts on Bathurst. They're still saying that they want to get a, a Bathurst 1000 race away, maybe even as late as December. When you see the, the case numbers rise in Australia all the time, I just, honestly, I don't know how they're going to do it. I really don't. No, I, I think they can. Don't forget last year they had a very, they did Bathurst, but it was very restricted on the crowd. There was hardly anybody there. Um, so I think they can, I, I think they will do it simply because the will of doing it will overcome the the giving up. And yep. it. Um, but it, it, it does illustrate just how difficult it is to plan events because all of a sudden, you know, they're saying we're going to race here, there and everywhere. And then there's an outbreak and then they can't and all that sort of stuff. I think they will make every effort to do Bathurst. And I think the local government will agree to it because it's a, it's an international iconic race. Yes. Um, yeah, certainly they're in, they're in trouble. I don't even know when their next race is. No, they've kind of just put everything on hold really. And as um, I was talking to a number of promoters recently involved in Speedway in New Zealand, so dirt track Speedway. And, um, you know, very hard to plan a calendar. A lot of Speedways traditionally open Labor Weekend in New Zealand, which is not that far away now. And yeah. they're all saying that, that they don't know if they can or they can't. So, you know, it, it still has its impacts. And we're you know nearly two years into this thing and it's not going away in a hurry. But, you know, we were treated to a, a true spectacle at the Dutch Grand Prix and, and we're very lucky to being able to see yeah. that and other forms of motorsport such as IndyCar over the next three weekends. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure we're in for plenty of television viewing. Yeah, my server's in for a lot of bum time as well, what with IndyCar <laughs> and, uh, and NASCAR that's had its first race of the of the playoffs and Denny Hamlin won his first race of the year and it happened to be in the playoffs. Anyway, um, yeah, we've got NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, Formula 3 over the weekend. Is Formula 3 there? I can't remember now. <laughs> I don't know who the hell's there or not. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on this coming weekend. So watch. before I let you go, because we're starting to run out of time here, pick a winner for Monza for me. Ooh, Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton? I think so. I think that thing will be quite quick. Yep. I, I'm going to go, which I know probably won't happen. In fact, it's got a fat chance of happening, but I'd like to say... Carlos signs in a Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, well, now you're saying I'd like to say, I would like to say somebody <laughs> else who asked me who I think is going to win. Hamilton. Uh, I think it will. I would like to see Lando Norris win. Okay. That. Well, we'll, we'll end the debate before it gets out of control. Once again, Bob, thanks for talking to us. Um, we'll talk again next week when we see who does win at Monza this weekend. Look forward to that chat and that debate. And uh, until then, take very good care. We'll obviously talk about IndyCar as well. So we've got a massive show next weekend. Stay safe down where you're living. We'll stay safe in our little bubble up here. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether Bob wins that little uh, sweepstake or whether I do. I think he's probably got better odds than I have. But, you know, you never know. Ferrari at Monza, well, that'd be pretty amazing. And Carlos Sainz would be the man to do it. That's my bet anyway. Uh, plenty of motorsport action coming, of course, this weekend with IndyCar, Monza F1. It's going to be a great weekend of sport. Kiwis racing around the world once again. So it's a tremendous thing for a little old country down in the South Pacific. Uh, we're not doing too bad. Once again, I want to thank you all for watching the show. Really do appreciate Appreciate it. If you're not sharing or subscribing, now's your chance because uh, it's worthwhile and it makes a huge effort to us knowing that you're all out there enjoying the show. And don't forget, send us your ideas or suggestions in the feedback column because we're certainly uh, more than welcome to those. Uh, good, bad or ugly, we'll read it and we'll take it as, uh, as read as well. So 
thank you for all your comments. But until next week, stay very safe out there. Once again, stay very COVID aware. No matter where you are in the world, this thing is a nasty beast. We look forward to sharing a passion that we all enjoy, which is motorsport. So until next week, take care. Thank you.